Fanatics, welcome to the first bulletproof podcast of the new decade. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, Mr. Chad Cruz. Chad, happy new year. Happy new year to you. And joining us for this special Star Wars edition of the Bulletproof Podcast, it is the one and only Ryan Campbell. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is the way. This is the way. And uh, again, it's 2020. Some uh, predictions for this year. Anybody got any? Or maybe some some dreams I'm, and hopes. More Keanu Reeves. We're going to see a lot more of that guy. Okay. Somebody will try to remake a classic action movie, and it will be half-assed and awful. And it will probably star uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Or Bruce Willis. Or Bruce Willis, yeah. Depending if it's a theatrical or a direct-to-video. Right. Maybe both. Right. Um, you know, here's maybe a maybe not so much a prediction, but a dream of mine that this will be the year when, when we hit the holiday season that uh, we won't have to have the Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas movie debate because I really don't care what you think. And I don't think anybody cares if they, they think it one way or the other. You're not going to change it because you have a meme. All right. That's all I'm saying. So can we just drop it? I'll be honest about it, though. This year seemed like the least I've heard it or seen it. Like, I don't remember even seeing it on years past. Somebody like IFC or something's been like 24 hours straight. I don't even recall ever seeing it on TV the entire Christmas season. It just seemed to not be like a big thing. I just don't see that there there are no new arguments for either side. Right. And it's just rehash every year. So, yeah, if you, you whatever side you're on, you're on it. So why does it have to be dredged up every year? So that that's my hope for 2020. Maybe, maybe people were too busy arguing if the decade starts now or next year to, to argue about Die Hard. <laughs> I mean, if you need an excuse to watch Die Hard, you know, that's a shame on you. So I don't need a holiday season to tell me to watch Die Hard. I just I'll just watch the damn movie. Here's my here's my wish that next year somebody for God's sakes would play Scrooge more often throughout the holiday season. Probably one of the most criminally underrated Christmas movies that's out there. I had to pay $4.99 on Amazon Prime just to watch it this year. There you go. So any anything else for 2020? This podcast is going to blow up. Well, there you go. That's right. One way or the other. One way or the other, it's going to blow up. This podcast is going to be so popular. You won't. Brain, you won't be able to walk outside your front door without being mobbed by topless women wow. and bottomless men. I've, I've seen some of the women in Garfield Heights. I don't know if that would be best or be wise. Mm. World-renowned for beautiful women. Is Garfield it, Heights. Yeah. Is it really? Yep, that's true. I don't know. I, you know I, I, I rarely leave the house, so how would I know? I read about The um, Economist. Okay, well, uh, speaking of the popularity of this website, you know we got one five star rating on iTunes. So I mean, I don't. Thanks, mom. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I'm afraid it's somebody on the staff, so I I haven't inquired. But I'm going to pretend that it's just somebody out there that we have thrilled with our our talking action movies here on the the podcast. Which of course. 
one, but you can't get to a hundred unless you have one. You know what I'm no, saying? No, but I'm saying like, are we? So we average a five star rating. It's one five star rating. Yes, we're averaging five star ratings. You're absolutely right. I got now. I got Perfect score. To do that so I can give us a five star rating. Perfect score. It is crazy though how quickly it can snowball. I mean, I started a YouTube channel this year, and when you just look at like the monetization points of it and you're like you have to have four thousand hours viewed and that seemed absolutely insane like there's no way i would ever reach that in a year and we're actually like probably going to hit that within the next month it just snowballs like crazy so That's you never right. know you gotta get started somewhere and i do want to thank speaking of getting us started on this uh, podcast journey definitely want to thank uh, matthew and jonathan at geekscape.net because i i'm not sure without them we'd even have who we have listening to us so Thanks, guys, for your your support, the opportunity you gave us. And, of course, Matt, uh, always with some tech support for me, too, since I now find myself in the role of audio engineer, along with some some of my other tasks on the site. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the Bulletproof Podcast is the official podcast of BulletproofAction.com. And we always suggest you check things out over there. Always something new each and every day. Um, also got some feedback from a longtime uh, site fan, and uh, he's also added the podcast to his list of podcasts he listens to all the time. It's Mr. Mike Jenkins. He's always got some great feedback for us, so thank you, Mike. Uh, he's enjoying the show. And you know what one he really enjoyed? The Michael Worth episode, Ooh. which I think is our best episode yet. And hopefully, uh, you know, we can get some more special guests uh, on the line with us from time to time. I like it. Not that Ryan Campbell isn't a special yeah. guest. I was going to say, I, I'm not near the notoriety of Michael Worth. So, but, Brain, I will Ooh. send you a poster. Of what? Helps. Will you autograph it? I will certainly okay. autograph it. Chad Cruz, any feedback on your end? Have you strong-armed any more people into uh, listening to the show? No, I actually forgot the last one had debuted. So uh, I did listen to it myself, and I cracked up several times, and I'm hoping that other people did the same. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't get as much feedback. I kind of got my little bubble, and yeah. uh, I'm not a big social media guy. So if you're not physically talking to me, I probably haven't heard from you. And of course, that last episode was our canon celebration. I love me some canon films. So if you haven't checked that one out, that one dropped on uh, Christmas Eve. So it's quite conceivable you were busy doing other things. So feel free to check out the archives for all our episodes. Uh, but if you guys are ready, we're going to get into the meat of the matter here. We are talking Star Wars and specifically the newest film in the long-running series of films, The Rise of Skywalker. All three of us have seen it at this point. Uh, Ryan Campbell, you, of course, were there as early as humanly possible, being the big Star Wars fan in the group. Uh, your thoughts on the film and uh, your thoughts on the feedback that the film is getting from the general public. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm somewhat man enough to admit when I was wrong on the feedback part of it. So first off, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I think I mentioned in my review it felt a little crammed felt like probably a three and a half, you know, could have been a four hour movie or four hours worth of content squeezed into the two hours and 20 minutes that it was, but none of it necessarily felt like a Canto bite type of thing from 
uh, The Last Jedi. So none of it felt kind of like a needlessly side quest. It just felt really crammed. But beyond that, the movie, I really enjoyed it. It had callbacks, whether you want to call them fan service or cheap or whatever. You know, I really enjoyed those moments. Uh, visually, just completely stunning. And I, I think I remember saying that with every one of these, that the eye candy aspect of it, like the whole... Uh, the settings and the glaciers and starter stores coming out of glaciers and uh, the different planets and just, just visually the lightsaber battles, Kylo Ren walking out of a monsoon with his lightsaber lit. Just so many cool visuals that for nothing else of just sitting there, you know, sitting back in a reclining theater seat, eating popcorn was just tremendous. But um, to the fan aspect of it, I had mentioned in my review that, you know, a lot of the people that have been down on the whole Disney kind of sequel verse aspect of it, that there wasn't going to be anything in this movie that was really going to change their minds. But um, a lot of what I'm seeing from the fan bases, and, and I'm, I like to think I'm pretty plugged in. I'm into multiple collector groups and fan groups and other stuff like that, has been that people, you know, they might say it wasn't the best thing, but that, that they actually enjoyed it, had a good time, and whether their expectations were somewhat lower than what they thought they would be or what. But um, you know, I guess it's still early, uh, but the fans seem to like it. Now, I do remember with The Last Jedi, there was a lot of love for it in the first week. It was maybe only until about two, three weeks later that you really started getting that groundswell of hatred towards it. So that could still be coming, who knows. But um, yeah, I enjoyed it, and it seems like most of the fan base has kind of enjoyed it too. Yeah, and of course, The Last Jedi also kind of uh, just killed the uh, solo movie before I think it even anybody yeah, saw seen, it. Yeah, and there's been a little bit of resurgence with Solo. I think people, now they've kind of stepped away, and whether it be The Mandalorian or just Time Off or Liking the Rise of Skywalker, kind of come back at it either with fresh eyes or some people that never watched it. And it seems to be getting a, a little bit of love, which is nice. I think given the circumstances, what Ron Howard had to deal with, with all the kind of changes and the fallout, um, I thought it was an enjoyable movie, so. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder how much uh, the, the success of The Mandalorian has to do with, you know, kind of renewing people's love and faith in, in the Star Wars uh, property. I think it yeah, definitely did. There, I can think of a few people that I heard of that, you, you know, and they were probably, there's no way to prove that they were never not going to see Rise of Skywalker. They may say, I won't go see it, but, you know, most of us would probably, you're going to go see it. But it did seem like The Mandalorian, at the very least, kind of got people excited about Star Wars. And even if they went in with reservations about what they were going to witness, um, it at least got people excited. There was a kind of a groundswell of excitement before Rise of Skywalker came out that um, I was kind of surprised by. I definitely think The Mandalorian had something to do with that. And Chad, you made a rare theater appearance to see the film. Yeah, that was probably the first time I've been to the movies in, I mean, probably like two or three years. Um, and I snuck away on like a Saturday afternoon by myself. So, you know, any, any free time you get as a parent, you know, sitting in a dark room by yourself isn't usually what you want to do, but, but I made the exception for this film and, you know, I had like Ryan, I had, I had a lot of fun with it. I didn't think it was a, a fantastic film. Uh, visually it was pretty amazing, but that's kind of my expectation now with these movies because, I mean, you watch you watch any Disney film at this point, any of the Avengers movies or that stuff, and I just expect them to be visually awesome. And this movie had so many cool set pieces, and like you were saying, like the the Kylo Ren walking out with like the monsoon going on—that was probably my favorite one. 
Um, and then you get to go back to some of the old planets, but also see new stuff. Um, and I, I enjoyed the, the Lando parts. I enjoyed like the callbacks and, uh, I, but I, I think that fans wanted a happy ending. And I think that this film kind of gave it to them in a way, maybe they didn't, didn't think they wanted, but you know, I don't know. I felt like the last Jedi, I'm not a huge fan of the last Jedi at all. Um, and, and I think that this film, it tried to fix a lot of it, probably too much. Like I said, it was crammed as, as you know, it was all hell, but um, it did bring it back to that neutral, which is, I think, what the what Star Wars needed. Yeah, I, I do think that it um, it did seem to fix a few things from the Last Jedi, but one there was a few things that I think it reinforced, and chief of which I think was the way it treated Luke. Um, which I know is a big contention with Star Wars fans from The Last Jedi, but I felt like it kind of tried to reinforce and at least take a stand that like, hey, you know, the way that Ryan Johnson did Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi as part of his overarching, you know, throughout the entire saga, um, it kind of reinforced that a little bit. And I think some of the stuff with, with Rey reinforced and kind of her powers and all that kind of stuff. But, but there was definitely some stuff that it, it definitely tried to fix. It felt like J.J., in a way, regretted not doing the second film. I kind of oh, yeah. that my review that not that he like doesn't like what Ryan did, but it felt like yeah, I kind of wish I would just done all three of them. And you both have mentioned the uh, the callbacks, and that probably was my favorite part of it. But that could be because I don't know that that was one of the things. You know, I, I was in that like, oh, do I really want to go see this movie? And I thought to myself, I have seen all you know the previous eight in the theater you know so this is stupid i'm going to see right. this movie and and the callbacks though the, the one that really stood out to me because it's you know was a callback to probably my favorite scene in the entire history of star wars movies is when uh luke brings the x-wing out of the water uh which of course is from the uh, empire strikes back where he doesn't believe he can get the x-wing out of the swamp but yoda you know, blows everybody's mind and shows the, the, the true power of the force and why you, you know, have to believe. Um, and, and, you know, just a great scene. And, and the John Williams music, of course, is probably been the MVP of the entire run of Star Wars movies. Yeah. And I, and I think that whatever the Mandalorian did for this film of just getting that excitement going, uh, I, I think that the Mandalorian also, it's simple. You know, there's not 47 different convoluted storylines and weird shit, man, you know, midichlorians and what's this mean? Is is Anakin Jesus? Like, does his mom ever have sex? What's, what is this? Like, what's happening? And, and Mandalorian is a simple story. It's episodic. It's like, you know, you can step into episode four or episode five and not be totally lost about who these characters are. And that's kind of how Rogue One was to me. It was like, okay, people stealing some stuff in order to blow up some stuff. And that's why I love Rogue One. It's probably, I mean, probably my second favorite Star Wars movie now. Yeah, that one definitely stands out among all, because it's like nothing else. It probably could be because it doesn't have a real happy ending, obviously. Yeah, that was one. Um, you know, everybody, you know, it's a lot of sacrifice to, to get where we needed to be. Um Another callback that I really enjoyed is in the uh, Death Star wreckage. Again, that that John Williams music. Uh, you know, it was basically the 
Darth Vader's death song is is playing as uh, you know they're they're rummaging around in there and just a great thing, a great great piece of business. Again, it's the callbacks were for me, but I've been a fan, you know, basically my entire life. So, you know, that that's childhood for me. I can't me right believe there. there were no Ewoks. There were Ewoks. There were. Yeah, but, there were Ewoks but, briefly. Yeah, but they're just spotted. But there's there's none like in any in any serious role. You wanted you wanted a nice low low grade uh, monologue yeah, or something. I felt like there nice. there should have been an Ewok flying some like teeny tiny plane at the end. Or or now Wicket is like the leader because he's you know obviously aged. So yeah, it's been several several decades. You don't know the lifespan so. of Ewoks, but it, it was it is interesting within the fandom that there's always been this prevailing thought that the Death Star crash landed on the moon of Endor mm-hmm. and killed all the Ewoks. So it was, well, it was it nice to see that it landed on a different moon of Endor and the Ewoks right. were all safe and sound. Did you did you ever read the? Uh... Sith cult of Ewoks that they thought was going to be in this movie. I didn't know. I didn't see that one. I, I think after after Darth Jar Jar, I kind of after Jar Jar's Snoke theory, I kind of dive, <laughs> I dive too deep into that one, so I've kind of steered clear of some of the things. That's theory. great, Ryan. You've obviously watched The Mandalorian. You covered it for BulletproofAction.com. Uh, Chad, have you completed it, or are you still I, in the midst? Of I'm it? in the midst. I'm. Uh, I think I've watched the first four episodes. So I'm finally getting around to reading Ryan Campbell's articles. Oh, there you go. Extra, extra view. Hey, you're uh, man. So we can't, so we can't talk about that awesome finale surprise, but yeah, you got, you got like two there in the middle that are kind of side quest ish. They're still good. Definitely check them out. Yeah. But yeah, it ends really strong with the last two episodes. If, if I can make it through Farscape for as many seasons as it had with all their random episodes, I can, I well, can that's do the beauty this. of it is it's 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 Filoni in his element where he's essentially doing his animated style but with live action. I mean the episodes are right. you know less than forty five minutes long and they all it, it it feels very. I know Favre, a lot of people are giving Favreau the credit and I'm sure he's doing an excellent job, but it it feels so Dave Filoni to me um, that he I, it feels like he's behind the scenes kind of pulling all the strings and doing all the writing. But yeah, it, it's it's great. And and we know there's you know they've already announced what an Obi Wan uh, series. Yeah, there's an Obi Wan, and then we're getting a Cassian and K two S O series. So from Rogue One, uh, Cassian Andor, and K two S O, that'll be obviously set before Rogue One. Um, but some mm-hmm. of their yeah some Spoiler. of their adventures, uh, which I think is cool because when we meet that character in Rogue One, he mentions multiple times about how dirty his hands are and some of the unspeakable things he's done in honor of the of the rebellion which you don't think about and in, in terms of if this was all real yeah these guys are outmanned outgunned they've got to go around in the muck in the mud do some pretty sinister probably shady stuff to try to get a leg up so i mean i don't know if that's going to be the point of the series but I'd be almost disappointed somewhat if it's not because so much of his character in his redemption arc in Rogue One is, look, I've done so much crap that this chance to actually do something that's meaningful and be the you know, do something good is worth losing my life for. So that I, mean, I think that's gonna be a pretty good series too. But yeah, and the Obi Wan with you and McGregor coming back, like it's gonna be it's gonna be intense. I'd like to see some other series uh, happen. I'd like to see a I'd like to see a, a kind of a 
fake reality show where you put a bunch of Star Wars characters in like a space station and they have to live together, like Lobot, um, 21B medical droid, maybe like the cloud car man. Uh, Right. Low gray. uh, We just mentioned, I just mentioned him a little bit. One of the Ewoks, maybe some uh, like, I don't know. An Ugnaught, oh, he's already in Bespin. But some, yeah, some of these random characters, and let's just see how they get along, uh, forced to live. Forced, forced one to live. I could see a pretty forced. I could see a pretty rad ser- series uh, based around like Jabba's palace. Oh yeah, like a almost a like a Sopranos of space. I mean, we're 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 obviously kind of joking here, but I think what this that's the kind of the beauty that the Mandalorian is showing us is now that we're not saddled with the Skywalker name. And like, as Chad mentioned, all the baggage and all the years worth of side stories that they've had to either integrate or just lose completely. Like there's this freedom. And I think the Mandalorian is showing fans like what a post Skywalker era star Wars will look like where there is just this freedom to explore different ways of filmmaking, different ways of telling stories, you know, the, the 100% dedicated Western samurai style of Mandalorian and, you know, what, what we can do going forward now that we've kind of moved on and, and yeah, it, it's, it's exciting. I think, I think fans are excited about it. I'm really excited for the uh, young Mace Windu starring Justin Bieber. If they're going to have next year. Oh, wow. That's an interesting casting choice. Uh, I, the thing I'm going to like about it is maybe we can have some Star Wars stories where everybody's not somehow related. Uh, that'd be nice. Like, oh, you're secretly my brother. No, just let these people be. Not everyone has to be related. I, I honestly think Star Wars is to blame in some part to that first G.I. Joe movie where suddenly these characters who were not related became related. They were best friends. It's I, funny because it. thanks Star Wars. It's funny because I think we're we're I guess we're 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 pretty spoiler free or spoiler into the spoilers at this point. But when a, a lot of people, you know, when when it was said in the uh, Last Jedi that Ray came from no one, and I was like firmly in the camp, like yes, keep her from no one. Don't tie her to anything. She's a nobody. Like keep it that way. I like that way. Like not everyone has to be related. And then, of course, in Rise of Skywalker, she's related to Palpatine, and I'm still like, "Yay, that's awesome!" So I, I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. But yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of everybody being related. I mean, it was cool. I don't know when I was like, "Oh wow, Darth Vader's." Is, I mean, that was a, one of the greatest reveals in, in motion picture history. That Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, but I don't know. I, I did not have that same "oh my god" moment when Ray was Ray Ray Palpatine. Well, uh, you I also just, weren't seven years old. So something I've been struggling with and thinking about the last few days is how a lot of people have said that this trilogy, this sequel trilogy, would have done better by having a clear where they would have written essentially the storyline for all three at the same time and, and not necessarily felt like they were kind of piecing them together. And it got me to thinking. Do you guys believe, firmly believe, that Vader was Luke's father when George wrote A New Hope? I, I do not. I, I think they'll go back and say that he did and he wrote them all. But I think the way that you watch, if you watch A New Hope and without thinking about not knowing that, which is hard to do. One, I don't think that 
Vader was intended to be Luke's father. And then I don't think in Return of the Jedi that, that Leia was ever meant to be Luke's sister. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I think to some degree, some of the, there's this thing of kind of holding, we don't hold the original trilogy to some of the standards that we set the new one to. But I was just curious if you guys kind of thought that that uh, maybe was not in, in the intention in the beginning. Yeah, I never thought that. Um, I'm Well, I shouldn't say I never thought that, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem that way, especially the Luke and Leia thing, because why were they smooching in <laughs> the, the first movie? Well, and, and then even the weirder thing is then Luke says, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, Leia's my sister. And then Leia's like, somehow I've always known. Like, bullcrap, you haven't always known. The way you kissed me, I could tell. Yeah, yeah, I knew right away that you Thank goodness for the charm of Harrison Ford, because if he hadn't been so damn charming, then there'd be some little, you know, deformed and malformed babies running around with crazy horsepowers. Yeah. And speaking of Han Solo, that was a bit of a surprise that uh, he showed up in the uh, the Rise of Skywalker for a little cameo. Yeah, as dumb as I thought that scene was, it was super heartfelt. And I enjoyed it. Anytime, yeah. Anytime they can get Harrison Ford back related to Star Wars and, and do whatever they got to do to drag him out of his grumpy hole to do it, it's, it's good. And I, I kind of forgot about it, but I remember way back when, shortly after Last Jedi, when they were filming, hearing rumors that he was on set doing something and it was most likely going to be some sort of spirit thing. And I totally forgot about it. I'd totally forgotten about it until even after I Last Rise and Skywalker is over, I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of knew that he was going to be in it. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what. Uh, I don't like Kylo Ren. I and I, it's because he killed Han Solo. I've never forgiven him, and I don't care if he has a redemption story in this one. I still don't like him. I don't like his face. I don't like him. Whoa, man! So I don't think- to hell with you, Kylo Ren. No, see, to me, to me, the, the Force Awakens. I enjoyed it as a film. I mean, it's. It's not like groundbreaking no, it was a, it was, in yeah. any way, but I liked all the new characters. I liked all three of them, or how many other were, and the three main ones. And I, I was just like tired of seeing like old Carrie Fisher, old Harrison Ford. Like I, I don't, wanna, I honestly don't care about it anymore. I, right. I want to see these new characters and what kind of journey they can go on. And then you know, if you're going to connect it to the other ones, connect it to them. But I don't, I don't need them to have eighty percent of the film just like lumbering around with a cane off screen. Like I don't, I don't need to see Lando like barely making it three feet. You know what I mean? They're like confused. Was, La- was Lando macking on that girl at the end? I think there was originally, they're going to make it his daughter. I don't, I, I don't know the case. I think it was more just like, yes, the saga ends here, but it's not like all these people are just going to go sit at home for the rest of their lives. So like, what's our next adventure? And Lando's just, Lando's just like always looking for that next adventure. So he's like, well, you don't know who your parents are. Let's go find out. You know, I, I don't know. I, I felt like, I felt like he was about to bring out a Colt 45 and see if it really does work every time. You've had a hard day. You've had a hard life. You don't know where you're from. How about this Colt 45? And, and again, with back to the Han Solo thing, I know he wanted to be killed off back in Return of the Jedi from, you know, from interviews that he said, so I get it, but I don't know. There was still, there was that part of me and probably that young seven-year-old who's like, you just killed Han Solo, you jerk. I'm not going to stand for it. So, 
uh, you know, and that definitely was a, you know, that, that, well, Ryan, you were with me. I didn't even want to drive home after that. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't handle this. You, you killed my childhood hero. So it was like a heck of a heel turn though. It was, it, I mean, yeah. And obviously it worked because I hate the guy. So you got heat with me, Kylo, you got heat. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with his character or I, I mean, take that back. I had a problem with his character. The first two films, I thought he was just like super weak and he was whiny and he yes. was like everything I hate about this generation. And then this movie, I was like, okay, I'm starting to, I'm starting to dig him a little bit. Yeah. I think his is the best character arc to me over the three films. Um, so yeah, he is whiny in the first movie, but I think that's intentional. One, he hasn't ever really encountered another force user. So I mean, if you think about it, like kind of like the rich spoiled kid who literally never encounters any you know problems or any any issues in his life and he's just talented and everything comes to him so easy so when he finally does run into ray you know it, it just breaks his whole world and he can't handle it i mean everyone in his family is a force user right but i mean not like he's never i mean he's been he's trained with other jedi before he destroyed luke's school and everything but like yeah. most of that time of him learning to be a sith and all that at that point like he was just kind of running rough shot and you know, destroying fool. So, but I think, yeah, he was, he was young and experienced was still in training too. And I think you saw him over the three films. He takes a giant step in last Skywalker by what he thinks finally ending Luke. That's come over him finally ending, you know, he ends the whole Han part that he thinks connecting him. The only thing he can't end is his connection to his mother, which then rolls into rise of Skywalker. So I think his whole arc. And then of course, at the end, him, coming back to the light and everything uh, through the sacrifice of his mother. I think it was all pretty, pretty good. Adam driver, I think is a, is a great actor too. So that helps. He is. He's good. And we would never have the undercover boss Kylo Ren segment if it wasn't for, for Kylo Ren. So that's <laughs> yeah. one of the better things that new star Wars has brought us oddly enough. Speaking of new star life. Wars, uh, Ryan Campbell, you're a grown man. You have children, you have a family and you lose your ever-loving mind over Baby Yoda. I do. I have at least three items of Baby, Moda mer- Baby Yoda merchandise pre-ordered for May. So that's pretty exciting. May the 4th be with you. Yeah. He's adorable. That's right. I'm ready. So, yeah. I mean, that, I think, is a huge part of the Star Wars resurgence as well is Baby Yoda. And who could have guessed it? I mean, that... The twist with Baby Yoda actually being also the grandchild of Palpatine. Wow. Well, you said you didn't watch the end of The Mandalorian. <laughs> if, that, if that's in that, I will flip out. But yeah, it, <laughs> he's the love child of Palpatine and Jar Jar. And I'm fr- I'm shocked that this is Disney. How did they not see this coming? I mean, maybe they would have never guessed that it would become kind of the cultural meme thing that it became, but. To have like nothing ready to roll out when that show came out. I mean, they they had figures for the Mandalorian. They had figures pops for Cara Dune for everything. The only thing I can think of is they were just afraid of spoilers getting out because you know how you always see the, one of the first things for the Avengers for Star Wars is like the Lego sets. Eight months ago, you start seeing like what the Lego sets are going to look like, and everyone starts trying to piece together what the plot's going to be. So if they want to tell me that they kept all that away so that nothing would come out, that's awesome. But it kind of seemed like they just weren't ready for it. 
Does does Baby Yoda? I haven't seen the last few episodes. Does he ever put on like a pair of sunglasses? Not yet, no. But here in Cincinnati, we have uh, Cincy Shirts. They're like a local uh, shirt producer that just. I think every city has their own like little t-shirt shop that makes stuff. They have one that it's like the hangover shirt with the baby strapped to the front of the chest, but it's Baby Yoda and like a Baby Bajorn. It's pretty cool. So I guess uh, from from our end, the thumbs up all, all around for Rise of Skywalker. I mean, it's a it's a good end to the saga. Like, there's no perfect way to do it. I think Revenge of the Sith and the first prequels kind of showed us like that was the best of those three, and even that felt kind of like it missed the landing. Uh, I mean, it's hard to end these movies. Yeah, the the final of anything is is, is in a bad spot. You think about Sopranos, Seinfeld. You know these shows that were like universally loved, and then it comes to that final episode, and everybody's like. Eh. Oh yeah, even Game of Thrones right. this year. I mean, every, every episode was just a it was people just losing their minds every time it up every episode that came out. Uh, yeah, I mean it is really hard to please people. So I think they did a good job. I I, I plan to go see it a few more times, hopefully. Um, yeah, but I was I was very pleased, and I look forward to watching it uh, in my home theater downstairs. There you go. Chad Cruz, any final Rise of Skywalker thoughts? I do have one quick thought, and uh, I'll make it short. So, is Palpatine okay? So his his creepy body there in the film that's like being supported by this giant robot arm. Is this supposed to be his body that fell down the giant hole? I would think it's a clone. I mean, there's obviously they've established that clones are a thing. Can I give you a quick thing what I think it sounds cooler? Oh, please do. So, okay. So Palpatine is like this. He's like, has all the Sith souls and power and all that business. So he's just like this presence now. So the Palpatine, the the one dies in Return of the Jedi. So now he's like building, he's rebuilding himself. So he's like rebuilding this body using all these like evil Sith powers. But he needs force users. He needs the force to be in this, in the galaxy to like be more powerful. And, and because there are hardly any force users anymore, he just like doesn't have the power. So he's like slowly building his body over like 30 or 40 years, whatever the, the time difference is. And then he realizes like, ah, shit, I just don't have enough time. I have like this creepy half body. And then he's looking for Ray. He finally finds Ray and Adam driver and remember like he like sucks their power or whatever. And now he's like forming more of his body. He's like, Oh, I got my fix. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll pick it up. I don't know where I was going with this, but that was part of my theory. So yeah, I, I, I'm sure that it's maybe already been, I have, I've tried to keep up with. So whatever happens when these movies comes out is Pablo Hidalgo is kind of the, at Lucasfilm is like the head of, he's like the, the lore keeper. If any question, any reason why, like that dude knows the ins and outs of everything. So it's possible he may have answered already, but I thought it was his original body. Um, so and that's what I thought they were trying to put across because his fingers were all mangled. Yeah, and, and, like, oh. so, and Palpatine, and, and some people when they first saw that he was coming back were like, well, this ruins Return of the Jedi. It makes it cheap. And it doesn't really, because I think Palpatine was always one step ahead. Even going back, if we go back to the prequels, one of the, I think one of the coolest things the prequel does is shows you 
just how manipulative and how this dude was behind the scenes. Like he had backup plans for his backup plans. Like everything just, you know, went according to the way that he wanted it to go. So there's no way that somebody picking him up and just throwing him down a reactor shaft that he didn't have some sort of backup plan. So, um, and then of course, later on throughout the years and through comics, books, video games, rebels, clone wars, they kind of flushed out just how obsessed he was with, the Sith, the mythology, living forever, all, yeah, artifacts, temples, holocrons, all that kind of stuff. So I totally buy that, like, one way or another, his body was probably in really bad shape and his minions or his, you know, the Sith, whatever, was able to sustain his body enough. And like you said, and he, yeah. the back of his mind, he knew out there was his granddaughter. And if he could draw them out, then he could essentially get his life back. So I think, yeah, I think you're, I think you're onto something that I don't think that um, he's, I don't think he's a clone. I think that's his original body. It's interesting though that Snoke was some sort of clone tech that he was using. Yeah. He had like a tube of, a tube of Snoke, which makes sense. If you, if you go with my theory is he had Snoke clone and he's like, he's like puppeteering this dude to teach people more about the, he's like, I'm going to teach people to be Sith and use the force. That way he can suck all that force power from them. Yeah. Or he, he needed a face because he was not in, he wasn't right, right enough to come out, which we even go back to the, again, the original prequels, he doesn't reveal himself until he knows like victory is certain. So he's using all these puppets, using the first order, using Snoke and whatever to kind of build his power back up before, you know, he can officially reveal It's like himself. he's almost uh, like the mummy. The mummy had to get all his organs back before he became a full-powered Arnold Vuslu mummy again. That's right, yeah, definitely. Right. It's a fun movie. And, you know, the the opening scene with Kylo, like, going town on those guys, and he finds the artifact or whatever, the holocron or whatever it was. Did you see what planet that was? Um, I saw... I didn't read it, but I saw the article that was like, "Hey, this says what planet this was." But I didn't read it. Yeah, it was like the, the what a Visual Dictionary, or whatever they came out with recently. But it it, it claims that that was from. Uh, so, uh, this is non trivia question, but uh, the planet Darth Vader's castle was on. Was that Mustafar? Mustafar. Yeah. yeah. So that was the planet that it was on. So Darth Vader was also collecting artifacts secretly because he's you know he's in this search for more power so he can bring back his beloved and all this like it, yeah, there, there's a few like one of the threads throughout yeah one of the threads through some of the comics and stuff was how kind of secretly vader was had some plans a few times that he was yeah. going to overthrow palpatine or at least you know uh check check him up or something like that so, right and he all he needed was that little hey my son is here push can i briefly say that i think poe is treated awful in these films, like he never actually does anything right. And it's only at the end after like you were left in charge and he's like, Oh, uh, can you be in charge with me to Finn? And then we're both generals now. And then they're getting the crap kicked out of them. And then, you know, think the great Lord George Lucas that, uh, that Lando shows up with the bazillion ships out of nowhere. Like Poe fails. Like that's all he does is lose and fail and do nothing right and then at the end like you did it poe you're a great general but he's really not yeah so i i think if they would have given him a little bit more heroic leadership moments in rise of skywalker it would have it would have validated 
the Last Jedi because I, I don't mind his arc in Last Jedi because he's a young hothead who, you know, is super skilled but doesn't know how to lead. And part of his arc in that by the end of the end of the movie is you may be the hottest thing going, but, you know, being able to lead people is important. Right. And by the end of that, he learns that by the end. So the next step in Rise of Skywalker, I hoped, was for him to be the leader of the resistance and you know, which he was, but yeah, like you said, I mean, other than just getting everybody to fly yeah. into an impossible situation, he does get bailed out. He gets bailed out, and, and he passes out. off. He like passes the buck on the Finn. Like you're also a general, so. And part of that is because Finn too is kind of, you know, he got he probably got the most disservice oh, yeah. in the, and I won't even argue that in the Last Jedi. So he was kind of in a what do you do with him and in, in Rise? I do like that they put them all together. I feel like they the the series kind of was hurt by the three of them not spending more time together. So it was fun watching them do an adventure, but yeah, they, they both got kind of gypped of their, the first like 20 minutes of, uh, rise of Skywalker is Finn and Poe being like funny and interesting. It's like Ray and Poe and Ray and Finn. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is great. Like, I wish we could see more of these guys just interacting because the characters are actually fun. And there's this, triangle of like will they won't they and do i want them to probably not just just be cool separately and then there's just so much shit happening and there's just no time for any of that it's just like shoo, 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 shoo. it's just like bright lights everywhere. it's like going to a club and all they do is play like crazy techno music and you're like on a first date you're like hey who are you you know like you just don't have time for anything because there's just so much coming at you and, and some of that is star wars i mean they they throw so many characters in these these things that you you can't it, it's the it's kind of the boba fett thing you know where like hey this person's cool we'll flesh them out later in some other form but you know, there's way too many characters to service everybody, and it seemed like they kind of decided, just decided, all right, we're going to double down on Kylo and Ray and just, you know, invest more in them. Um, but that's yeah, to a certain degree, people being underserved in their character is kind of Star Wars. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you remember when you were uh, like a spice runner? Like, I was. <laughs> yeah, I want to know more of that. Yeah, yeah when you were like twelve. Yeah, read remember? the comic, read the Poe comic, and you'll see that. I guess. That's like the the Zori Bliss character, which I like. I thought you know Carrie Russell did a really good job in that role, and everyone's like, "Why even have her?" I'm like, "Cause it's Star Wars. She's the Boba Fett. She's the Captain Phasma. She's the I look cool. Here I am on screen. If you want to learn more about me, read read the book or watch the show or whatever." But that's 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 been Star Wars since day one. People get upset about that, but that's you know the way it's kind of always been to a certain degree. All right. Well, we are going to talk now about how Star Wars used to be because, Ryan Campbell, are you ready for the big trivia challenge? I'm terrified. Gonna, I'm terrified. I know you are. We are going to give you ten questions uh, from the original trilogy. Chad, did you want to start or do you want me to start? Do you have your um, – the... I do have them up in front of me. I'll go ahead and start for you. All right. Okay, Mr. Campbell. All right. Uh, the first question in the Star Wars trivia is, what was Yoda's approximate age at death? Uh, would be, he was 900 years old, right? That, that is, is correct. correct. Yeah. Oh, good. You're off, off to a good start. 900 years old you reach. Which is good to you. There you go. All right. Question number two. What planet did Chewbacca hail from? Kashyyyk. All right. That was a gimme right there. 
Well, that's where his people are from. I guess he did eventually right. spend time there. Yeah, did he spent right? time there for the uh, holiday Christmas special. He uh, <laughs> he was not on Kashyyyk, but his family was. But then mm. he come see his he family yeah, on that did. special. He eventually did find a good son. The special that doesn't mm-hmm. exist anywhere, and people were are mad it's not on Disney Plus. <laughs> I saw it. It exists. It happened. They can't erase that. Question number three. What type of torpedoes were used by Red Squadron against a thermal exhaust port? Proton torpedoes. Oh. That's correct. Three for three. What shape was the Death Star's conference table? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh... I don't know what what would you even call that? Is it just a rectangle or like a what's like an oval, like a oval, but like it has sides on the end. It wasn't just like an oval at the ends. It had. We need an answer. Okay, I'm just gonna go with rectangle or a rhombus. A rhombus is incorrect. It's Oof. circular. They Oof. they say it's circular. That's how you would explain it. Circular. Like a, yeah. I would say it's more like an oval. Because it definitely wasn't. Well, oval is circular. circular. I guess it is. Yeah. You, if you, you had gotten have... that question right, I was gonna. If you had said, oval. if you had just said circular, I'd have been like, whoa. Right. We needed that. We needed that All brain. Right. Yeah. All right, back on track here. Who wore a secret communicator on his right wrist? Secret communicator on his right wrist. Um, I would guess. I'm going to say Lando. That is correct. Hey, uh, didn't boom. he use it to uh, communicate with Lobot? Activate Lobot, right. There you go. <laughs> All right, question number six. What was Chewbacca doing when he first appeared in The Empire Strikes Back? He is working on the Falcon. Correct. Wonderful. Han hollers up to him from under, and he's working on top of the Falcon, doing some welding. He's a good welder. He is a good welder. I don't know how he doesn't singe all that hair. That do, yeah, that that does seem like it would be problematic, but he's all right. Yeah. This next question, I don't even like to ask it because it's um, yeah. Anyway, what color is the blade of Obi Wan's lightsaber? Oh gosh, <laughs> I like it blue, but that's a, yeah, that's an easy one. Okay, it is blue, yes. It is blue. We don't even see a green one until Return of the Jedi. What do Jawas sleep inside of? I'm, I'm assuming, are we going to say they all sleep in their sand crawler? That is the answer yeah. they were looking for. Right. I was waiting for you to say a bed, and I would have said no. I didn't know if they, for all, you know. <laughs> sleep I guess there is some cross-sections in some of the uh, visual dictionaries of sand crawlers, and they've got some, some barracks in there, but... I like to think if they set up camp, sometimes they like to go outside and sleep under the stars. Yeah, if it's a nice night in Tatooine. Right. Nice drive. The suns have set. How long does it take the Sarlacc to digest its victims? Thousand years. Oof. Is that exact or approximate? (laughs) Approximate. I'm assuming it would be an approximate. All right, last question. You've only got one wrong. Over a thousand years. What Star Destroyer located the Falcon during Vader's meeting with the Bounty Hunters? Ooh, that is a good one. Let's see. I'm thinking back to my 
we're going to say that that was, if it's Vader's Star Destroyer, that was the Devastator. That's the one that, like, Vader commanded. It's definitely on it. So I'm going to say the Devastator. Incorrect. Oh. It was the uh, it was the Avenger. Ah. Mm. So that would be the one that that are we gonna say that's the one that Han was attached to? No, and no, that wouldn't be that. I don't. I don't know. Right. The fact that you knew any it? names for any Star Destroyer, I, I'm impressed. Right. Right. That's yeah. But eight out of ten, eighty percent. That's not bad. You, you're, you're a legit. You're you passed. You're a legit Star Wars right, fan. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty good. You weren't humiliated. No, I still get the right Star Wars pieces for the site. Absolutely, continue Absolutely. to do so. We can't. As soon as those series hit, I'm expecting a, a email. All right, guys. Anything else Star Wars related before we wrap this up? Uh, not too much. I'm just I'm really eager for season two of The Mandalorian. I gotta wait all the way till till the fall. But it's gonna be awesome. Uh, all the, the way to the fall. Be with you all. Force but be only with you. if you're a, a Skywalker or a Palpatine. Okay, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Bulletproof Pod. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Bulletproof Action, and we suggest you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Bulletproof Media. Chad, what do you have uh, in store for us over there on the YouTube channel? Anything? Have you, uh, any plans? <laughs> anything. You got anything for us? I've got some ideas. Uh, they have yet to come to fruition, but. Uh, it's coming. There's some good ideas coming. There was a there was one Star Wars thing that I almost recorded last week, and then I got distracted, and now the movie's just been out too long. So we're going to have to wait for the next trilogy. <laughs> All right. Okay. At least you'll be ahead of, ahead of the game for once. All right. Well, again, may the Force be with you. I am Chris the Brain for Chad Cruz and Ryan. listening to the Geekscape Network.